Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Psalm 64 is a psalm what David wrote, and it was written for the choir director, specifically to be sung in a congregation, like how we have our church services and get together and sing worship songs. This would be one of the songs you say, oh, turn in the hymnal to Psalm 64. We're going to sing this song. In the Jewish culture, that's what they would use, this book of Psalms as their songbook. Let's look at it together. It says in verse 1, the psalm begins with, Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the evildoers, for the torment of those who do iniquity, who have sharpened their tongue like a sword. They aim their bitter speech as their arrow to shoot from concealment at the blameless. Suddenly they shoot at him they do not fear, and they hold fast to themselves an evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly, and they say, who can see them? This is a church song? I'm going to sing a song about people who have plots to do evil and are out to get you and they don't care and they do evil. They lay snares secretly and they act like, who can see? Nobody can see. I'm just setting a trap to catch them. Now, remember, David said, this is your hymnal for the day. Sing this song about all of the woes I'm going through. The next part says, they devise injustices. And saying, we are ready with a well-conceived plot. Boy, we figured out a good one. There's many other stories from the Bible of the conceived plots that men came up with to fight against God's people. But did they ever work? Look at this. For in the inward thought and in the heart of man, they are deep. These guys, they're digging deep for these plans. But God will shoot at them with an arrow. And suddenly they will be wounded. David's going, they're setting snares to catch us. Let's just say, who's the battle belong to? To the Lord. And David says, they're setting a snare to trap you, but God's going to shoot an arrow at them. And he's going to take care of them. It says, suddenly they will be wounded. So they will make him stumble and their own tongue is against them. And all who see them will shake the head. Then all men will fear and they will declare the work of God. And they will consider what he has done. And the righteous man will be glad in the Lord and take refuge in him. And the upright in heart will glory. When you do what's right, by the way, you can be doing what's right. And will you experience attacks even when you're doing what's right? By the way, I think this is why this psalm made it into the songbook. Because it starts off with, hear my cry, O God. Hear my voice, hear my complaint, O God. I'm in trouble. Preserve my life from the dead. Is that a good spiritual song to sing? Oh, God, save me. Are you allowed to sing songs about hear my cry, hear my complaint, oh, God? I have a trouble down here. You remember when we were in Psalm 55? There's that psalm that talks about how often can you complain to the Lord? Morning, noon, and night. In Psalm 55, verse 17, evening, morning, and noon, I will complain and murmur, and he will hear my voice. And he will redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me. For they are many who strive with me. A lot of people don't know the next verse, verse 18 of that Psalm 55. 
It says he will redeem your soul in peace, in peace. When the battle is on, do you feel peace inside usually when you're being attacked? I don't know about you. I don't. It's like peace goes out the window and I'm like getting a little angsty. And, oh, God, help. This is trouble. And he, and he goes, listen, you come tell me about it. You can complain to me, the Lord says, all day long. And I'll hear you and I will redeem your soul in peace from the battle against you. For there are many that strive with me. David had a life where people, they strove with him. They didn't like him. I mean, he did good. And the better he did, all of a sudden more people didn't like him. You think if he did great for the nation, everyone would love him. You can't always win when you're in leadership. And by the way, this psalm says we get to complain all day long, 24 hours a day to the Lord. Don't worry about it. Just bring our complaints to him. But it doesn't say, and I want to point this out, that you get to complain to me, the pastor, 24 hours a day. Yeah, that's right. Let me make sure you read this right. Because some people, they think, well, I work for him. Well, pastor, you work for the big man. Let me call you up and complain to you. And then you go tell him. I'm like, you don't need me in the way. You get to tell him direct. Isn't it interesting? Our earthly father might model that to us. But our heavenly father says, my complaint department is open 24-7. Come anytime and bring me your problems. And I'll give you peace for your soul. I'll redeem your soul in peace from that battle. What a sweet thing. Now that's another one of the songs right here in Psalm 55. We get to sing that in church. That's a great thing for us to sing, to let sink into our hearts as we do this walk of faith that we do. Because sometimes whether we like it or not, we could be going along and somebody, they're out for us. And you can't even figure out why they're out for you. Turn to Philippians chapter one so that I could show you a New Testament example of, of a fellow Paul, the apostle. The one that the Lord used mightily. And the part I want to show you, he's actually going to write from prison. And he's going to give me an insight that I don't think I would have come up with. I'll read it to you. You tell me if you would act the same way he did. Here's Paul and Timothy. Philippians 1 starts off with Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering up prayer with joy in my every prayer for you, for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. It's only right for me to feel this way about you all because I have you in my heart. Now that sounds really wonderful. You're like, man, he really cared about these people. You tell his heart, he, he loves these people. Here's their faith, they're going on. He's confident God will continue that work which he's begun in them. He's reassuring them. What happens is a lot of people drop off right there and they don't read the rest. Verse seven, I stopped halfway through because after he said, because I have you in my heart, he says, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, he says, you are partakers of the grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with affection of Christ. And this I pray, 
that your love may abound still more and more in the real knowledge and the discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Man, I want you guys to just abound still more. Keep going. He's praying for them. But he did mention that one thing, since both in my imprisonment and my defense, he's in prison and he's praying for God to bless them. If you were in prison, what would you be praying for? God, get me out of here. or Bless me. But listen to what he says in verse 12. I'm just going to read to the end of it for you because it sums it all up. The heart of Paul. He's in prison and he's praying for the other guys. And he says, now I want you to know, brethren, that the circumstances, my circumstances, have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy or strife but some also from goodwill, and the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Now, the former, they proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, accordingly to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and your joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Only... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit and that you are in one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you and that too from God. For to you, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. What? He's going, hey guys, you're in my heart. I'm praying for you. I pray you're doing great. Keep going on. And you know, you heard that I got in prison and everything, but let me tell you what's happened. What happened with the gospel when they put Paul in prison? Some of you might not know the stories, but Paul was actually considered a high-risk prisoner, a revolutionary guy. And those were considered the most dangerous 
by the Roman authorities. So when they imprisoned Paul in Philippi, by the way, Philippi was one of the leading cities of the Roman colonies at this time. It was run by the authority of Rome. So you get a guy that comes into town and he starts preaching another king, the king of kings, not even able to be conquered by any earthly king because he's this heavenly king. This is dangerous thinking. We got to imprison this guy. This isn't in your Bible, but this is in the history books. They took Paul the apostle and they actually put him in the cell and they chained one of the praetorian guard directly to him. Is how dangerous they considered this man to be. He couldn't just be locked up by himself. He had to be shackled to one of the guards. Eight-hour shifts they used to pull. So three guards got rotated in in a 24-hour day, having to spend their time shackled to the Apostle Paul in his cell. Now, I always joke about this because I think, what do you think Paul would do when the newbie comes in and he's got a spend eight hours with you. He can't go nowhere. You're stuck together. You got to go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom together. You got to get a drink, you get a drink. He is stuck with you. Paul goes, welcome. I got you for eight hours. Have you heard about Jesus? Eight hours with Paul. And then let's just say you get assigned to him a couple times in one week. You're stuck, man. You might just say, I give. I'll be a Christian. Surrender. Because he's not going to let up. I mean, he's the guy going, Pray for me to have more boldness in making known the gospel. I'm thinking, you don't need prayer for boldness. You're locked up because of your boldness. And can you imagine while he's locked up, he says, you guys, don't worry. This has turned out for the betterment of the gospel. The whole Praetorian Guard has come to faith. They tie him up to me one at a time for hours. I just lay into one and he thinks about it. And then he goes away, he comes back and I got him for another eight hours. And eventually they surrender. The whole Roman guard that were guarding Paul comes to faith. But he says, not only this, but most of the brethren who hear of this good news that the Roman guard are coming to faith, they became more bold to preach to their friends. They're not so shy about it. And so they're preaching. And so more people are coming to faith. And then he goes and mentions this one other group, which I just want to point out. The group who preached the gospel, not because they wanted people to come to faith, Paul says what their motive was. Why did they preach? They were hoping to get Paul in more trouble. They were envious of this man. And so they're preaching, but not to bring people to Christ, to bring trouble to Paul. Let's get this guy in trouble. We don't like his ministry. We're going to do it a different way, and we're going to get him in trouble. Have you ever heard of churches that do this to other churches? You know, it's sad to me when I hear of these things. It's shameful that the body of Christ does this. But they do. And it's not new. Nothing new under the sun. They were doing this to Paul. They were devising plans to get him in trouble. Under the pretenses of they were preachers. A lot of sickos. But listen to Paul's attitude. Look at verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense of, or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I will rejoice, Paul says. I don't care if they're doing it to get me in trouble or not. If Christ is proclaimed, I rejoice even more. Man, I wish I could keep his attitude. When some jerk is preaching and doing something just to make me have trouble, 
I don't always remember this attitude of, yeah, who cares? At least he's preaching Jesus. Or those guys that preach for other motives. He says some of them preach for profit. He even mentions that they do it out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives. But Paul would say if they preach Christ, even if their motive was wrong, I rejoice that they preached Christ because he's what matters. And did he really care about his own comfort? He's writing from jail. He's like, it's okay, guys. He was looking big picture. The gospel is being further. I whine the most, not when I look big picture. You know when I whine the most? When I look at Izzy's picture, Izzy's comfort. I don't want to do this. I won't be comfortable doing this. This is bad. This is harmful. Whenever I'm uncomfortable, then comes out the whiny baby. Paul's going through suffering and he's getting persecuted. And yet he's looking at the big picture and going, I rejoice that the gospel's being preached, even if the guy who's preaching it has the wrong motives. Who takes care of those bad guys when they make all those evil plans and they have all those evil motives? Who shoots the arrow through their heart in that psalm? Did David say, I shot the arrow through their heart? No. He said, the Lord. Did David ever pray for God to get his enemies? Sure. There's a bunch of psalms. God, you get them. Sick them, Lord. I'm paraphrasing, but isn't that like summing up what it says in a lot of the psalms? He's like, Lord, you get them. If we would just do that, peace will come to our soul. Because we won't be striving with them. We'll just say, God, you take care. I give them to you. Now, this is the song for church today. Cry to God in your troubles. Cry to him when people are plotting evil against you and they're trying to do harm to you. Cry to God. Is that a good song to sing in church? We cry to God and he redeems our soul in peace from the battle that comes against us. And he shoots the arrow into their heart. He'll take care of those mischievous, devious plans that they have. Those really deep plans deep in their heart that they're trying to get us ensnared with. He'll take care of them. I'm so glad this psalm is in there because I think I've had some guys do me some bad, some bad things. And this psalm makes me have a good idea what to do about it. I'm going to ask God to shoot the arrow in their heart. How's your peace feel when you try to fight these kind of devious plans, snares? We don't do well with it. It kind of gets us all nervous and we're worried and we're looking for any leaves out of place or any sticks that don't look like they should be there. And, oh, no, they got a snare there. or Oh, they're going to trap me over here. Or We're always worried about them trying to trap us. Instead of remembering the psalm, what says God can take care of them. And when he says he shoots the arrow right into their heart, he knows how to get it right to where it needs to go. They got a problem in their heart. Sometimes we just got to step back and go, okay, God, wait a minute. They're the ones with the problem. It's in their heart. You take care of it. You shoot the arrow in their heart and give me your peace. Even though it's a short psalm, it's a powerful psalm. Paul said these guys, they had the wrong motives for preaching Jesus. Think about it. How many preachers are preaching and their motive isn't because the Lord called them to be a pastor and to preach the gospel. They're preaching because, well, 
my cousin is doing it and he's got all these people that love him and I want him to love me, you know, and I could do a better job than he could and, and or, or they're prideful. We don't have to work. We need to let God give our soul peace. Let God give our soul peace and don't worry about it. Psalm 64 started off with an interesting line. Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from the dread of my enemy. Hear my cry, Lord, my voice in my complaint. Hear it. You know, sometimes we have a complaint. We're troubled. This word complaint, the root is I'm troubled. You know, when you're troubled inside. Hear me, I'm troubled, God. I got something bothering me. Has anyone ever had something bothering you? And you think, what do I do? Well, the answer is you cry to God. That's what's so good about this song. If we sang this song, what we just read, as a song in church, you would learn that every time I get in trouble, I have a complaint, I have that trouble in my soul. Oh yeah, the song is cry to God. Hear my complaint, Lord. I'm in distress inside. I got trouble here. My enemies, they're attacking. They're setting snares. See, isn't it neat how the psalm now, you, you realize David's point now, they were plotting evil down deep in their heart. They were bringing out these well-laid plans. They're conceiving the plans to get me and they're working their plan to get. And then he says, but you, God, you shoot the arrow right into their heart. You get them. And this psalm helps me to go, you know what? Leave it to God. Their heart's wrong. He can shoot the arrow bing, right into the spot and get them right where it counts. And only he can do it. If I could zing them and, you know, really get to the root of the problem, get to that part in their heart that's wrong, I'd definitely volunteer for shooting them. But he goes, I don't need your help. I'll do it. The battle belongs to the Lord. Let him give you peace. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.